Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. And now, Milton Bradley Karate Fighters presents WWF In Your House. It's time. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm a mean Mark. And I am the Executioner, live from the AOL room. Welcome to episode 231, In Your House 12. It's time. Sharpshooter versus Powerbomb. Okay. Weird. All right. That's that's our tagline, eh? Uh-huh. It makes total sense with the show called It's Time. Yep. That the guy whose time it is is not on the show. Please mm. hurt. Mm. Oh. Injury it's or the, pride? Probably a little bit of both. <laughs> he actually does have an injury. That's why he's not on the show. Okay. But a certain champion said he was he worked too stiff, so that would be why. There's a there's a, f- a famous quote. It was like wrestling a concrete truck full of vomit. Mm. But yeah, that's the it's, curse of having to send out advertising months in advance. Months in advance. Yeah. Yeah, it can't change stuff when stuff like this happens. Dun, dun, dun. So this was the 12th rendition of In Your House, produced by WWF. It would take place on December 15th, 1996, from the West Palm Beach Auditorium in West Palm Beach, Florida, with an attendance of 5,708 people. It's not hot. Ouch. West Palm Beach is old people, guys. Well... Fair enough. I was just watching some uh, wrestling out of the corner of my eye, and there was plenty of old people there. Yeah. But this isn't uh, 1985. Maybe yeah. maybe they're in East Palm Beach. <laughs> so, you know, those old people don't like to drive too, too far. Nah. I can say that because I'm old now. You did just have a birthday. I did. Ago. You're not Florida old. <laughs> not quite. But we're in Florida. We is. So, Shane, did you do what you do? Well, I attempted to do what I do, and then I did something else, but I'm still not mad about it. Yes, we are in Florida, in West Palm Beach, and as we've uh, experienced in Florida before, we've done different foods and beverages and desserts and whatnot. We've had their uh, signature sandwich, which in Florida is the Cuban. And I thought, let's see what I can find in Oklahoma City Cuban-wise. And I thought I found this burger that had all these Cuban toppings on it, and then it turns out that it was just... A burger place's spin on a Cuban, but it was still pretty damn good. It's like a barbecue take on a Cuban. Yes. We ended up at Mob Grill, located in Oklahoma City, in the parlor, which is like a food collective in the uh, Bricktown area of Oklahoma City. Alright, this is known as the Cohiba. C-O-H-I-B-A. Which is a cigar, I think, or maybe that's what you call a Cuban cigar. I'm not sure. That but it's a cigar, be. I know that, of some of some kind. Clever little name play there. Mm-hmm. It is a uh, 12-hour mesquite and pecan wood smoked pulled pork, caramelized with garlic aioli, hickory smoked ham and bacon, Havarti, Mob's house-made cheese sauce, and grilled into our rustic sourdough bread. The bread is nicely grilled and... You know, has a, a great color to it. The meat is full of flavor. Came with the option of French fries or house-made tots. I chose to go with the house-made tots. 
and then had them load them up with more of the pulled pork and cheese sauce. There's some like jalapeno relish or green chilies or something like that that they tossed in there as well. More bacon. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not mad at all about this. No, it's good. The, the, um, was there mustard on? There wasn't mustard on that, was there? No, this oh, wow. one had the garlic aioli. Damn. As they opposed to a mustard. mustard. Um, That's an important part of the cube. See, I say that, but then part of me is like, I swear I tasted something. Maybe I'm just tasting the pickle that was on there. Yeah, it might be that. Yeah. Because there's a house-made pickle. Let me taste the bread itself here. Yeah. No, I, uh, I did not taste any mustard. No. no that's no, just uh, dill. Yeah. No shade, but uh-uh. uh, a little more tang and a little less salt. It would have plussed it up a bit. It yeah, it helped. definitely needs some mustard to hit that Cuban flair yeah. that yeah. they were going for. <clears throat> but it's got the pickles, it's got bacon on there, it's, it was good. It's, for, for never trying them before and assuming that they were just a burger place, they they showed me they got a little bit more than burgers on their menu. You know what it's kind of similar <clears throat> to is um, a sandwich from the Mule. Kind of reminds me of And see, I was looking there. at the Mule for options as well, but I didn't, I want to say they used to have... A Cuban version on their menu, but now they they don't anymore. Maybe I know they had like a spare rib pork sandwich or something like yeah, that. The spare yeah. rib pork sandwich was good. From there, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, of. this this sandwich was it was good. Yeah, I wasn't blown away by it. No, um, the the tots. I, I love the tots. I really the liked. tots were really good, especially loading them up. Yeah, yeah. I'd give them a try good. again and actually have it in person instead of having it delivered because I'm sure that stole some of the the oomph. From it, but yeah, fried food doesn't travel well. Yeah, but the sandwich seems to travel well. It's good. But yeah, if you're ever in Oklahoma City, you need a place for some good tots, good drinks, good snacks, good stuff. A wide variety of food options. Go to the parlor. You'll find Mob Grill and a bunch of other tasty places. Keeping tradition alive. I'm just gonna take a bite of this in front of a microphone because why not? Here we go. Ugh. Ugh. Listen, made me go. You made me Hank Hill with that sound. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, something that would happen right around the same time as in your house, some more movies came out. Mm. I mean, this is like one sixth of a movie podcast. It's almost weekly. Almost <laughs> weekly. Yeah. I mean, people have told us that they love our our movie talk. Yeah. So. We will not stop that. that that's no. usually what I try and go for. It's if, fun. If there's a movie that's interesting to talk about. Wow. But this week, we had another trio of movies hit the theater. Scream. Oh. My I... Fellow Americans. And One Fine Day. Okay. And I know that... Oh, shit, I can't <clears throat> remember the words. It's the song that Shane hates. Um, Mariah Carey, Boys to Men. Isn't that I song called that One Fine Day? No. That's one sweet oh, no. One sweet, day. one sweet day. Shane doesn't hate that song. Okay. No, it's somebody else I know yep. that hates that song. Every time you bring it up, you say that. <laughs> I, I don't know why I got you confused, and I don't know who the other person is. Anyway, I don't know My Fellow Americans or One Fine Day, but, I mean, Scream, come on. What a movie. Yes. Scream might have, like, the best, one of the best openings in, like, any horror movie. Absolutely. <laughs> so good. Scream. I'm going to say this. It might be one of the best franchises. It is. I like um, all the ones I've seen. I think I've only seen one, two, three, and four. I don't think I saw five or six. Five and six are very good. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're fun. I like all the ones I've watched. And it's made me excited to see what the potential is for seven or eight or however long they decide to go on it. Yeah. 
Yeah, Scream. I remember when that one came out. I saw that one opening weekend at the theater because horror movie junkie as a kid, and this one just had a totally different feel to it. It wasn't your your typical boogeyman. It wasn't your yeah, because it's know, like technically somebody a, attacking you in your dreams. It's like isn't it technically like a satire, but it doesn't wink at the camera. It winks at the camera in its own way. In its own way. It, in its own it's way. Not, it's not, but it, it doesn't do it, it in a way the, that's you know, obvious. It tells the rules of a horror movie, you know, yeah. talking in, in that sense at the camera. Yeah. But, you know, also keeping in character. That's that's the whole purpose of the, the Randy character on there, just to... Yeah, but it's not a horror... Talk to the camera. A horror comedy the in the tradition no, that's, of... That's like, when Scary Evil, Movie came Evil on. Dead, or I'm trying to think of... I mean, I guess Texas Chainsaw 2 is technically a horror... Uh, comedy and one of the better ones. What a good movie! But My Fellow Americans. What the hell is this? That one is. I uh, think you would really love My Fellow Americans. Jack Lemon. I like Jack Lemon. Who's the other guy? James Garner. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Okay. Oh, James Garner was in this one. What am I thinking of? <clears throat> it is Jack Lemon and James Garner. Dan Aykroyd's in it. Yes. I know. I knew Dan Aykroyd was in it because uh, he plays the the opposing. I think he plays the current president, actually. Oh, uh, okay. Probably running again. <clears throat> I won't lie. I never saw My Fellow Americans. I, I remember when it came out, I was working at Blockbuster, and I saw the previews for it quite a bit, but... It doesn't ring any bells It didn't. Me. It didn't call out to me the way Scream did. Scream was a phenomenon. Yes. It was a huge movie. Scream was one of the first horror movies in forever where I left the movie theater and actually was somewhat not afraid but just like on edge because it was like this is a scenario that can actually happen (laughs) because people are fucking crazy and they'll use any excuse that they can find to do anything and try and get away with it yeah yeah it's like you think it's some kind of boogeyman Mm -hmm. and it's not just a couple of rascals yeah and and i don't know what one fine day is one fine day is another little rom-com with george clooney george clooney yeah. Um, it's just like two single parents that they get thrown together because of their kids, kind of. It's like parent trap, but they're, the kids aren't related, really. It's just... Yeah, yeah. The kids bring the, the yeah. adults I think together. my mom would like your dad. I think my dad would like your mom. Yeah. So the kids were... Like May Whitman May was Whitman, one. And Alex Lynn. That's his name. The kid that took over the Home Alone franchise after Macaulay Culkin. Oh, wow. I think. Yeah. I, th- I think I saw one of those movies in the dollar theater. Uh, that was tough. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you have, you have to go hang out with your like cousins yeah. and my your near uh, aunt, and this is what we're gonna do because it's cheap. It was riding the the wave of Jerry Maguire because they came out so soon after each other and were rom coms that had you know little round faced kids with cute adults trying to hook up. Yeah, but I imagine yeah, both these movies special, are not, but are not good. like particularly remembered. These movies kind of don't exist. One Fine right? Day is one of those like good rainy day at home movies where you don't really want to focus on anything. Like that you just and want my noise. fellow Americans are those are like cable movies which yeah. don't exist yeah, anymore because nobody has cable. Yes, but yeah, Scream is like I said, it's it was like the it'd been a while since there was like all of the previous slasher movies had like tapered off they ran for like a decade each or whatever and this was the first like new one and uh it went over super well because it had a a different hook and uh they didn't they crapped out two and three feel like pretty quickly but they took a while before they 
came back and made some more. Yes, they had to had to give a little space in there because yeah, three was three was a little rough. That's yeah. probably the roughest of. I think the three bunch. is underrated. I like three. A oh lot. yeah, three has. But I understand why people. And that's why I think like you would appreciate the newer ones too because they have callbacks to that that's one, cool. which I, think, I never expected in a, a a scream movie. Within the last couple of years, I did the scream one, two, three, four. Uh, like you know because. A lot, like for a few years in a row, it'd be like, okay, well, I'm gonna watch a bunch of Friday movies because you know I'd only seen a couple of them or whatever, and uh, I got to scream because Halloween. There's only two and a half Halloween movies as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm not watching those other ones. There's which, twelve of them. Which ones yeah, do you know. consider then? Uh, one, which probably should have stopped there. I think two is a really good time, and three. I think is a cult classic for a reason, and I really enjoy it, but it's the one without Michael Myers, which is why they brought Michael Myers back, because originally it was just supposed to be, they're like, okay, well, we'll just make more Halloween movies, but they'll be, uh, each one is going to be centered around the the holiday, an anthology film series, and that's such a good idea, but people were I I was a kid growing up with Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. I love that. And I was pissed, because... I understand why people were. Yeah, it was creepy. Yeah. But it wasn't Michael Myers. It wasn't. I liked the uh, first Halloween remake that they just did. The first one in the trilogy. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was all right. I didn't love it, but I. The did... other two, I fucking despise. Despise. I think that the second one was. Uh, the second one was just unnecessary. It was so horrifically bad, and I think the third one had a good idea, but it didn't nail it. And I can understand why people would be mad about. The idea in general, but it's I thought it was it's interesting. introducing a new bad guy in the third act. Yeah, yes. which I th- I think they could have. They were make... trying to they were trying to serve two purposes when they should have just made the original fun idea. Yeah. But you people wouldn't like that either. You so. don't make a cuckold of Michael Myers. That's just it's. I'd say it's about time. <laughs> but that's why I kind of enjoyed that movie more than some other people did. But I'm surprised I, I watched it after the second one. I watched all of the. You know, I went to the theaters and saw parts four, five, six. Yeah, I have all of them. Resurrection, H2O. Yeah, because you never watched any of them. Some of them had their moments. The majority of them were just trash movies. Uh, and then Rob Zombie came along, and I'm I'm probably one of the weirdos that I enjoyed the first Halloween that he did, just because it was, it was different, it was darker, it was grittier, oh. and it was just fun to see a new take on, on Halloween. And then his sequel came out, and... I never you could tell movie. by watching it that nobody involved with that movie wanted to make that movie, so they went as weird as hell. What, yeah, they went from one end to the other and made it just. It's it's very season of the witch in the Michael Myers lineup. Huh. You know, it it's not what you expect it to be, and it lets you down. And but it's still he's one not a that very good filmmaker. He's not just because <laughs> just he, saying he he has his moments. Yeah. You know, small moments in each movie that he does but I think his big downfall is that he won't make a movie without his wife as the star <laughs> and as great as she may be as a cracked out whore in you know on whatever movies that he's made because typically that's what she plays in it you need a little bit more from I can't even think of her damn name Sherry Moon Zombie there we go Sherry Moon Zombie Moon Unit Zombie Anyway, yeah, we talked way more about Halloween than we did about any other ones, and it's not even on the list. It's one of the craziest film, like horror movie franchises, because it 
does. Uh, so well, much. since you've seen them, screen movies in in your order of best to worst. Uh, best to worst. Uh, one, two, five, six, four, three. That's actually a pretty solid one. I'd probably flip four and four and five. I mean, there but, are people that like the opening for four is amazing. But it's the rest of the film's not that great. Yeah. At least in my opinion. Yeah. Some people love four. And see, I'm one of those where I'm a big two to three defender. I'd go like one, three, maybe two, four. I don't really remember four very much. Emma Roberts, Hayden Panteri. I just oh, okay. can't deal with her too too much. But then there's certain ones where it's like, okay, give me more, give me more, and. Her with with Scream, and then also on Screen Queens, and then the American Horror franchise. Yeah, she she, she kind of blended people. into them nicely. Yeah. If you've never seen Scream Queens, though, I I'd say check it out too. It's it's a. If you've never seen any of the Scream franchise, yeah. pause this podcast. Oh, yeah, go watch the first one. Go watch it. Go watch the MTV series too. Yeah, they did that. They did that. Yeah, yeah they they too. did an MTV series, and I thought it was cool with the MTV series that they brought in like bit players from the Scream movies or from horror franchises over the years to play certain oh, characters yeah. on there. Like you've got, I think the mom on one of the seasons was the girl, the babysitter from New Nightmare that was babysitting Heather Langenkamp's kid and oh. gets pulled into the whole Freddy sequence, and yeah. You know, they cool. they do little yeah you can Easter all, eggs all like those that. Freddy movies have so many like like teenager characters that you can you can toss one of those guys in there for fun mm-hmm. horror movie fans love that crap my fellow Americans it's 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 a dad buddy comedy yeah. if you liked your grandpa if, would if, love if, it. if you move if you like movies like Maverick or Grumpy Old Men I think you'd probably enjoy my fellow Americans mm-hmm. it's funny that Maverick and Grumpy Old Men got put next to each other I mean like Maverick the the Bill Gibson movie no. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I mean, because I Grumpy Old Men. James great. Garner was mad. James Garner. Yeah. Grumpy Old One Man. Fine Day. It's a fun rom com. Yeah. I might have to rewatch it just because it's been a long time. And I mean, it's George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer. I yes. Mean, and this I mean, is like. They, they have a. This is George Clooney, ER George Clooney. Yeah. So, you know, ER if George you're looking Clooney. for the Caesar haircut and all that stuff, this is the Clooney that you're looking for. Yeah. Two, two um, pretty people. Flirt and kiss. Yeah, he he was fresh from ER. She was fresh from Dangerous Minds, and on her way to Batman Returns. There we go. Yeah, God, no. Batman Returns is tight. That was already that was, made. That was earlier. That, that's like eighty nine, ninety two, ninety two. Yeah, I'm more of a married to the mob guy. There you go. There you I mean, go. I'm just kidding. I do like that movie a lot, but I don't know if I like it more than Batman Returns. Well, let's talk some wrestling. How about time? It's time. It is time. We get the WWE logo before a video about our main event. Bret Hart spent a long time thinking about becoming the WWF champion again and again and again. Sid is tall, but he will be excellently, excellently executed. Bret wants the title, and Psycho Sid is standing in the way. Sid retorts with laughter, saying he's the man and ruler of the world. And all of these are sound bites played over black and white footage of both men when the words, it's time, comes on the screen. I think this is one of the like better opening packages in a while. It was intense. I was pumped. 
Vince McMahon welcomes us to the show, and he's joined by Jerry the King Lawler and Jim Ross. And the King makes some idle threats towards Shawn Michaels, as he won't be responsible for what could happen when the Heartbreak Kid joins them for commentary on the main event. Mm-hmm. Vince then introduces the Spanish announced team, followed by JR predicting the Hitman will win the title by submission. What's he going to do? Break his leg? Too soon, too soon. We then go to our first match. Leaf Cassidy versus Flash Funk with the Funkettes. Big pyro for Flash, man. They're, uh, yeah. Big stripper boots for Flash. Oh, you, oh yeah. I mean, it's funny. He's, <laughs> he's dressed like fucking Bootsy Collins without fringe. But they, they wrapped him up. He, uh, I guess he was too fat Scorpio. Because so. they, they, they covered up uh, the, the chest of um, the belly in a full body suit. Just, but hey, I mean, full body suits, sign the family stone, Parham and Punkadelic, it was a thing that they're playing on. Oh, it was. I just, I hope when Vince dies that <laughs> the idea that somebody has to be a dancer or have dancers escort them to the ring to the same music as the person had 15 years ago just completely dies away because... It's frustrating. When was the, when, who's the last guy that danced? You had the Funkasaurus. Fandango. Fandango. Uh, okay. Funkasaurus uh, was a while ago. Right? But, I mean, he had Flash Funk's music, pretty much. Yeah. And Flash Funk's gimmick with Funkadactyls instead of Funkettes. Yeah. And he came down to the ring with... Uh, it was somebody else's music, even. Somebody call my mama. Yeah, it's just this this gimmick, even in 1996, was awful, and they just keep wanting to bring it back. So Vince, if you're listening, yeah, quit it. Sure. Shane doesn't like dancing. I don't. Shane don't dance. I'm I'm a bad gay. I've said this over and over again. <laughs> Do you know who does like dancing? McMahon. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And Ross Moxie, with Vince just telling him to loosen up. I love Vince McMahon's dad dancing. So our two competitors trade takedowns, reversals, and Matt holds to start until Flash stumbles on a springboard, only to still land a crossbody for a two-count. Cassidy counters a head-scissors into an inverted powerbomb before belly-to-belly suplexing Funk out to the floor, where Lee follows out with a springboard somersault senton and a running clothesline. Yeah, this is looking like uh, some opening matches that we've seen in... WCW recently. Back in the ring, Cassidy wears down Flash with a chain lock, only for Funk to kick himself free before delivering a little flip-flop and fly. But Leaf comes right back with a powerbomb attempt, which Flash escapes to do some dancing and nail a big right hand. Drop kick by Funk, and he runs the ropes, only for Cassidy to catch him with a sit-out spinebuster for a near fall. And Leaf works the back with a hold, for body slamming Flash and heading up top for a moonsault, only for Funk to move in time. And Flash takes control with a shot to the gut and his hands spring gum and geary to knock Cassidy out to the floor. And Funk decides to do some flying with a crossbody out on the leaf before returning to the ring to body slam and moonsault Cassidy for a two count. Leaf ducks a spinning hill kick and nails a clothesline 
drops the knees on the shoulders that lead to a, the two trading multiple pin attempts, all for near false. And they make their way back to their feet with Flash nailing an Inseguri, whipping Cassidy to a corner, following in with a splash before hitting a back suplex and heading up top for a 450 splash for the pin and, and the win. win. Both these guys look great. Mm-hmm. Look how far... What is what is Two Cold Scorpio's real name? Scorpio. Okay, well, <laughs> look how far he has come from, you know, just whiffing it right. in WCW to uh, getting better. And then he comes in here with Leaf Cassidy, somebody newer to the roster, and they have a... Uh, a, a wonderful little opening match. No big flubs, lots of big moves, stuff to get excited about. There's even an ECW sign in the crowd. We get a commercial for the Royal Rumble. And we get footage from the previous year's event. With JR saying it will emanate from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. While also plugging the home video release. Ooh. Make sure you get that VHS. Royal Rumble VHS party? Let's do it. We then go to our second match. Razor Ramon and Diesel versus Owen Hart and British Bulldog with Clarence Mason for the WWF World Tag Team Championships. Oh, and they are still trying as there's Pyro for our face team of Razor Ramon and Diesel. And while Razor and Big Daddy Cool make their way to the ring... Kevin Kelly's in the back to interview Owen, Davy Boy, Mason, and a random arm from off screen. And Kelly questions their continuity as a team, saying Bulldog can't focus because of Stone Cold. And Davy Boy doesn't care if Austin is there. He has his eyes on Ramon and Diesel, but he will take care of Stone Cold if he comes around. Kevin tries asking another question, but Hart interrupts, telling Kelly to quit stirring up trouble and that they're focused on their opponents. Owen claims Austin isn't on Bulldog's mind before telling Kevin to stop wrecking their game plan. So the story behind this promo was that Davy Boy had stopped Stone Cold from hurting Bret Hart on an episode of Raw, with Owen taking offense that he was more focused on Austin than the tag belts which would give the challengers their opportunity to attack. So they like came out and yeah. hit the champs with some chairs and laid them out. You know, they're trying to uh, wear them down or injure them going into their big match. So the match gets going and Big Daddy Cool uses his power advantage early on to versus Hart, only for Owen to retaliate with right hands to no avail. All of a sudden, Piroth and Cybernetico from AAA have walked down the aisle to scout the match while Diesel press slams Hart. And Big Daddy Cool clotheslines Owen out of the ring while our luchadors distract Bulldog momentarily before leaving to the back. You know, you just gotta let everybody know that maybe there'll be some high flying coming up soon. Triple A in your house. Once everything calms down, Davy Boy and Razor in the ring trading strikes when Austin would make his way down to the ringside. And Bulldog hits a crossbody on Ramon and makes a cover. But as soon as he sees Stone Cold, he jumps out of the ring to attack Austin. And officials finally get them separated, so when Davy Boy makes it back to the ring, 
Razor is ready to attack. The bulldog is able to fight him off and make a tag to Hart. And Owen is taken down by a clothesline, but he avoids a Razor charge into a corner, allowing him to head up top to nail a missile dropkick for a two count. And Hart starts to run the ropes, only for Diesel to low bridge them, sending Owen tumbling out to the floor, where Big Daddy Cool slams him into a ring post. Posted. Back in the ring, Ramon and Diesel focus on the back and ribs of Hart with holds, stomps, side slams, and a pump handle fallaway slam. Big Daddy Cool continues the punishment with a big boot and double teams with his partner in their corner until Owen is able to catch Diesel with a boot on a charge, followed by an enziguri, allowing him to make the crawl for the hot tag. Davy Boy cleans house with right hands, clotheslines, a double noggin knocker, a body slam, and a leg drop for a near fall. Get it. Bulldog then hits a vertical suplex of Razor for a two count as Big Daddy Cool breaks up the pin. And everybody jumps in the ring to brawl, with the champs looking to whip their opponents into each other. But Ramon reverses his, only for Owen to leap into a crossbody onto Diesel. But Big Daddy Cool catches him, so Davy Boy then drop kicks them to send them both out to the floor. Fun spot. Razor clotheslines Bulldog before whipping him to a corner, only for Davy Boy to avoid a charge in and pick up Ramon for a running power slam, while Hart sends Diesel into the ring post on the outside. Posted. Ramon wiggles his way free and attempts a Razor's Edge, only for Owen to come flying in with a wheel kick allowing Bulldog to roll on top with a jackknife for the pin and And the win. Post-match, Austin comes running back down to attack Davy Boy again, chop-blocking him from behind. And officials escort Stone Cold from the ring while he gives the birds as he leaves. He's a bad boy. People like it. This was... Pretty nice considering Fake Razor and Diesel and how nobody wants to see them. Yeah. There's like two interruptions, and I'm like, well, are they trying to do this, the AAA guys? Like, because they don't seem to be, they're like, oh, it's these two guys. But, so I guess they weren't doing like, and trying to do a piggyback and invasion angle thing. But, no, Vince yeah. was just bringing in some AAA guys because it had worked so well in WCW that... Yeah, and probably needs to fill out the Rumble, too. Helps yeah. fill out the Rumble, especially with it being in San Antonio, close to Mexico. Yeah. everything makes sense. I picked up on all that, but I was like, huh, they walk out there, but it's like, I guess it's not an invasion. I like it, but I was like, is that something they're like trying to tease to see if people get, react in any kind of way? But nobody really has any strong reaction to that. Vincent sends us to the AOL room, where we see the Nation of Domination with their newest member, Crush, talking to fans, having their entourage do the typing. McMahon is now in the ring, where he welcomes Ahmed Johnson out. He back? Vince says Ahmed is back with a big announcement that he will face Farouk at the Royal Rumble. I mean, I want to see it. Ahmed Johnson is getting over and doing cool things. It's about time. I mean, it's only been about six months since he got hurt. Yep. Johnson claims he lost his house, his car, and his girlfriend in this mess before promising Farouk 
he will feel his pain. To his face! I mean, it's, uh, you know, classic babyface stuff. Down and out. Nothing to lose. And McMahon asks about an update on Ahmed's kidney, with him responding that his life was over a long time ago, but that people are all he lives for now. Oh, what a baby. And the Nation of Domination interrupt, standing on a balcony where Farouk insults the crowd before addressing Johnson. You're the reason your people is behind 50 years. They're not mine. I'm going to form my own race of people. (laughs) He's doing some... uh... And we all went... I see where they're uh, coming from, but doing this, like, uh, Hotep stuff. And it only gets a little worse here in a second. Fruit continues by calling Ahmed and Uncle Tom Mm -hmm. and promising to beat Johnson at the Rumble. The militant continues that when people say promise land, they will say Farouk before finishing with by any means necessary and raising his fist in the air. I like that he says, besides the redneck, it's Uncle Tom's like you. It's like, damn, dude, (laughs) going for it. And I love the touch of the um, lackeys and the suits with the bow ties. It's just, they're they're nailing what they're going for. It's just what they're going for isn't necessarily full of um, good taste. Yeah. (laughs) That's okay. Wrestling's always been full of bad taste. Ahmed then dares Farouk and the nation to come down to the ring and facing, but they end up just leaving. We're then sent to a video recap of Triple H and Mark Marrow's feud, and we get creepy music playing over Todd Pettengill saying the Intercontinental title is more than a blue chip stock in Hunter's portfolio. And we get a sound bite of Vince saying he can't stand arrogant people. Mm-hmm. I was like, look in the mirror anytime lately, sir? Yeah. Pettengill then turns his attention to the wild man, saying there's no greater honor than being called champion. And we get a history of the rivalry showing clips of WrestleMania and Merrill winning the belt before seeing Sable slap Triple H, followed by Hunter winning the title and attacking Mr. Perfect. Leave Mr. Perfect alone. So we go to our third match. Wild Man, Mark Marrow with Sable versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. And JR tells us that on the free-for-all before the show, Triple H had made a pass at Marlena, leaving Goldust not very pleased. Yeah, he's offered her something she couldn't refuse. And we're in the ring and Marrow and... Hunter stare each other down before trading hammer, wrist, and headlocks when Merrill would nail a drop kick and a clothesline to send Hunter out to the floor. The wild man follows out with a double axe handle off the apron before rolling Triple H back in, only for Hunter to hit a boot to the gut to slow the momentum. And Triple H's whip is reversed, and he bounces out of the corner into a back body drop by Merrill before going for some mounted punches which Hunter counters into a hot shot across the turnbuckle. And Triple H sets up for the pedigree, but the Wildman counters into a back body drop that sends Hunter over the ropes to the floor. Mero follows out only for Triple H to hide behind Sable before shoving her into the Wildman and delivering a cheap shot. Dastardly. 
Hunter then tosses Marrow into the steel steps and grabs a chair to use. But the ref grabs it away in time, so Triple H just shoves Hebner. Hunter then sends the Wild Man to the steps one more time before returning to the ring, where he keeps up the attack with a pair of backbreakers for a two count, followed by locking on an ab stretch with leverage until the ref catches him. Triple H shoves Hebner once again, mm-hmm. but he gets shoved back, backing go. Hunter down into a corner. Yeah, love seeing uh, Hebner take charge, and also, you know, Hunter sells. He's like, "Fuck! Like, I don't want you to call the the match off." He begs off from Big Bad Hebner. Don't disqualify me, cause I won't lose my belt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marrow reverses a whip, only to charge into a big boot allowing Triple H to leap off the second rope, right into a boot to the chin. And the Wild Man takes control with an inverted atomic drop and a leaping clothesline, before whipping Hunter hard to a corner for a flare flip, only to fall right back into the ring. It's a good one. He really really sells that. Marrow continues with a knee lift and a head scissors for a near fall, followed by taking Triple H to the top turnbuckle to nail a super Frankensteiner. The wild man goes back up top when Hunter would shove the ref into the ropes, causing Marrow to crotch himself, leaving both men laid out on the mat. Triple H crawls over to get a two count before going for a pedigree, only for the wild man to counter into a catapult that sends Hunter headfirst into the ring post Posted. for an airfall. Marrow then leaps off the top turnbuckle with a moonsault for a two count. He goes for a running clothesline, only for Triple H to avoid causing the wild man to take out the ref by accident. Ah, ref bump. I love Marrow's little gets on the turnbuckle and then jumps and turns and then hits the moonsault. It was a nice little nice little baby face flare. As Marrow checks on Hebner, Hunter nails a neckbreaker and goes out to grab the belt, attempting to use it, only for the wild man to prevent with kicks and punches. Triple H goes for a back suplex, but Marrow flips over, taking Hunter down with a rolling prawn hold. But the ref is still dazed, so he only gets a two count. The Wild Man with another hard whip to a corner for another flare flip, this time all the way out to the floor, with Marrow flying out after Triple H with a slingshot somersault senton. All of a sudden, Gold Dust has made his way to ringside, grabbing the title belt and tries to hit Hunter, only for him to avoid, and ends up nailing the wild man instead. No! The Golden One then turns and hits Triple H with a second try, knocking both men down, with the ref making a 10 count, only for Mero to enter the ring at the last moment to be the winner. That almost makes sense. Smart Mero's your winner, but Hunter is still your champion. Yep. Post-match, the Wild Man rolls Hunter into the ring and delivers the wild thing to him before leaving while Triple H stumbles out to the floor. Yeah, and it looks it's a great shooting star press. It looks wonderful. Gold Dust returns to attack Hunter once again, stomping him until officials break up the fight. So I guess we know who Hunter's next feud will be with. Yep. Yeah. I'm still so pro-Mark Mara. I think he's good. His match is good. He's definitely fun. Mm-hmm. I just know people shit on Mark Merrow all the time. Uh, he gives them plenty of reason to shit on him. Oh, yeah. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> we 
We go backstage where Doc Hendricks is with Psycho Sid. Doc says Sid is no longer the hunter. He's the hunted. Before showing a clip from Superstars where Sean and Psycho Sid brawled outside of the arena. Followed by Brett joining the fray, going after Michaels. This would leave the hitman's back turned to Sid so he would be attacked. Psycho Sid then does some shouting and whispering thing about sticking your nose in his business, telling Hart to ask Jose about it. Hendrix then says Sid can squash the critics by beating Brett tonight, which makes Psycho Sid laugh, mocking Doc's haircut before using the logic of the heartbreak kid beat Hitman. Sid beat Sean, so that means that Psycho Sid is better than Hart. Yeah, he says he beat Sean like a dog. And Sid finishes up by whispering that he's the master and ruler of the world. Of the world. Vincent sends us to a video recap with highlights, where Todd Pettengill narration tells us about Paul Bearer's betrayal, how the Undertaker must walk alone because of it. He walks a lonely road. The only road he's ever known. <laughs> and the dead man tried to bury his betrayers at Buried Alive, but the executioner would attack and bury Taker. But life can be found in death, as the Undertaker was reborn, and the metamorphosis kindled a new fire. It turned him into a bat. Pretty much. <laughs> And the executioner prevented the dead man's revenge. But the power of one may not be enough to overcome the forces of betrayal. Forces of betrayal. New tag team name. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like a bad hardcore band. So we go to our fourth match. The Executioner with Paul Bearer versus Undertaker in an Armageddon Rules match. And what are the rules for an Armageddon? It's a no DQ match. Yeah. That you then pin your opponent, and then they have to answer a 10 count. In Fowler's mission, it's basically a Texas death match. Exactly, a Texas uh, death match. Except for they've shortened the rules, because the original rules for the Texas death match, very funny. I believe we covered it hundreds of episodes ago. Um, you have to be in Texas. Yeah. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, for a second, I thought that the... Undertaker came out first, but what I didn't realize was the executioner was just already in the ring. Correct. <laughs> they didn't even they they did him dirty on a pay per view like that. I was like, Jesus, okay. If anything, they did him a favor just putting him on the pay per view. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I'm 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 happy for Gordy to get. And I don't know out. if I'd want to hear what the executioner's music would sound like. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he'd just come out to Mankind, but he's not here. I don't know. Uh, does he actually have music? The Undertaker bells, just only the bell. Dong. Dong. Watch him come out to like Bad Street. <laughs> Sounds like horror movie music. Yeah, it sounds like somebody's Dexter. stalking around at night. It was Papa Shango's theme music. Ah! It's also good music for Papa Shango. Voodoo. So the dead man goes right after Gordy with right hands, Irish whips, clotheslines, back body drops, and turnbuckle smashes. 
The executioner reverses a whip but charges into a boot, allowing Taker to hit a big boot of his own to regain control. Before whipping Gordy so hard he gets tangled up in the ropes on a flare flip. Then Taker continues the punishment, but he misses a splash in the corner and an elbow drop, allowing the executioner to clothesline the dead man out to the floor. The dead man drags Gordy out of the ring for the two men to brawl when Paul Bearer would tap Taker over the head with the urn. He doesn't nail him. He literally taps it. That's a dink. And the Undertaker looks to give chase, only for the executioner to nail him from behind, ramming the dead man into both announce tables and ring posts. Post. But Taker responds with a clothesline to slow the momentum. Undertaker then exposes the concrete floor, picking up Gordy for a tombstone onto it, when mankind would run down, trip over the mat, but then finally attack. Yeah, he's going for the chop block, but he gets a little uh, little sloppy with the footwork. And the fight goes back into the ring with Foley and Executioner delivering a double clothesline, only for the dead man to sit right up and rally versus both men. The personal hot tag. All three men brawl their way to the in-your-house set, with mankind being sent through the window of the house, before also being tossed through the front door from the inside. Gordy fires back to brawl inside the house when Taker would hit an avalanche splash that ends up shaking the entire set. I literally thought it was about to fall off the top of him. Undertaker would drag the executioner back towards the ring, only for Foley to have recovered to attack from behind. And they make their way back into the ring where the dead man fends them off once more when security would arrive. And they mace Mankind, while Taker and Gordy brawl their way towards the house set, and then onto the concourse of the arena. An Undertaker and Executioner make their way up some steps and out the front doors of the building, with the cameraman just standing at the bottom of the steps, like, why why aren't you following them? Does the, I guess, (laughs) does the cord just not, do we not have cordless cameras at this point? Yeah, maybe not, I don't know. No. WCW bought all those for six. So back in the ring, security is placing a straight jacket on Foley, only for him to try and make a run for it, but he's finally subdued. We then cut to a shot of Gordy tumbling down an embankment into some water. Yeah, it's like there's, I guess the venue backs up to like a lake or whatever, something like a that. pond or something, I don't know, but it's like right up there and it's like just the concrete that goes down. Gordy rolls all the way down that, but his elbows got a little scuffed up. While the dead man makes his way back into the building and to the ring to attack mankind. And the executioner also returns with them meeting back up in the ring where Taker nails a clothesline and a tombstone pile driver for the pin as water pours out of Gordy's boots. Nice. <laughs> nice little touch. And the ref actually forgets the rules of the match momentarily as he calls for the bell and looks to raise the dead man's arm. No, no, but no. Someone reminds him, so he starts the count. Yeah, there's a pop before he does the count, because everyone's like, ah, I won. And the executioner <clears throat> never answers the ten count, making the dead man our winner. And this would be the last time we ever see Terry Gordy. Aw, uh-huh. well, I mean, he was better here than in, he was in uh, ECW, and that's not saying much. I disagree. Really? Yeah, I thought that maybe 
the reason I feel that way is that mankind helped this be watchable. And that's watchable with like a shrug. Uh, I think, yeah, going from what Matt said, yeah. I, I enjoyed him more in ECW than here. Really? I mean, just I, because... I mean, he didn't do anything of this. Yeah. He, I agree he didn't do anything. I guess it's just that the Undertaker's cool and Mankind's cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're both cool, but... Yeah. I don't know. There was just... He seemed like he fit in more in ECW than he did here. He just yeah. looked out of place, even in a mask. He does, for sure. The uh, Another thing that's funny is that... What's the... The only reason for the stipulation is for Mankind to get involved. Yeah. Because uh, he... There's... Normally, a match like this, the pin or submission happens, and somebody gets up before the 10 count. Never happens here. You might as well just pinned him clean and been over with it. But we got an extra 10 seconds for shits and gigs, if you will. Doc Hendricks is in the locker room with Bret Hart. And Doc says he admires the hitman for being cool under pressure. Except for this morning on Superstars, where he shows the same footage from earlier. Before asking why he joined the fight, was he worried Sean would ruin his match? Brett responds that he wouldn't put it past Michaels, then tries to continue, only to be interrupted by Hendricks asking why he turned his back to Sid. Hart says you don't turn your back on anybody, that he has thought about the title for the last eight months, with the heartbreak kid mostly on his mind. But it doesn't matter now, as Psycho Sid is the champ. The hitman has more to say when Sean's music starts playing, causing Brett to explode with anger, asking why they are playing Michael's music during his time. And Brett is sick to death of the heartbreak kid. And after he wins the title, he looks forward to fighting Sean. Yeah, I love that they give him the entrance so Brett has an excuse to get more fired up. And it's like, yeah, I mean, they do that for... People that come on to commentary, but like, should they really? But you know, it makes sense. It all makes sense. So we go to our fifth match: Brett, the Hitman Hart, versus Psycho Sid for the WWF Championship. And Michaels comes out to the ring and he poses momentarily. Yeah, they even give him pyro before joining the commentators. Crazy. The Heartbreak Kid calls the Hitman a self-proclaimed role model of the WWF before mocking him for being high and mighty and calling him a bitter jerk. They called him pompous. Like, call him Bret Hart pompous. Sean continues the insults by calling Sid the WWF's most expensive piece of luggage and that everyone carries him. That's tough. Fucking shit. In the history, though. It's not saying that it's not true, (laughs) but... Pretty ballsy to say on Mike next to the owner of the company. Well, they were trying to turn Sean heel. Yeah, yeah. As we'll see, since they're going back to San Antonio, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because he was going to be the hometown boy. Yeah. So he never really turns full heel before the Royal Rumble. But you know, he can't have Brett and Sean fighting on the same side, so, you know, one's got to be the bad guy. Yeah. Absolutely. So Sid turns his back to Hart as he's taking the title off, allowing Brett to attack with right hands, turnbuckle smashes, 
Psycho Sid comes back with clotheslines, stomps, and a body slam. Sid telegraphs a back body drop, so the hitman kicks him in the gut to regain control, followed by more right hands, an elbow drop, and a headbutt to the gut. Psycho Sid fires back with clubbing blows that send Hart rolling to the floor to regroup, only for Sid to follow out to continue the punishment before heading back into the ring. Brett with a rake of the eyes and more headbutts before Psycho Sid back body drops the hitman out to the floor, with Sid following out to ram Hart into a guardrail and exposing the concrete. Psycho Sid sets up for a powerbomb, but Brett counters it by ramming Sid's back into the ring post multiple times. Posted. And back in the ring, the hitman focuses on that back with second rope, axe handles, stomps, backbreakers, elbow drops, and different holds. Hart then pulls the padding off of a turnbuckle before attempting to smash Psycho Sid's head into it. But Sid blocks, so Brett just nails a back suplex for a two count. And how's he gonna how's he gonna execute a power bomb if his back's all fucked up? We get a side Russian leg sweep for a near fall, vertical suplex, a second rope elbow drop for a two count by the hitman, before he goes up top, only for Sid to meet him there to press slam him off to the mat. Now Psycho Sid follows up with clubbing blows, a big boot, a power slam, and a short arm clothesline for a near fall. And he goes for the leg drop, but Hart moves in time and looks for the sharpshooter, only for Psycho Sid to kick him off to the floor. Now Sid tries to pull Brett in by the hair, but the ref pulls him away. When Stone Cold would run down and chop block the hitman. Oh my gosh. British Bulldog and Owen Hart then come down and brawl with Austin as officials all get them to go to the back. And people do runouts all the time, but Austin, he's got the, the juice. It looks like he means it. He's got the, the fury and the energy. Uh, so as far as, yeah. you know, runouts go, it's like, this is what they should look at. He's there look to like. some shit up. Yeah. Now Hart climbs back in the ring with Psycho Sid looking very confused momentarily. But he ends up attacking Brett, stomping away on him. Sid goes for a snake eyes into the exposed turnbuckle. But the hitman wiggles free and looks to shove Psycho Sid into it. Only for them to both stumble down to the mat. They unfortunately repeat the spot, with Hart falling into the still this time. Followed by a choke slam for the pin. And no, Brett kicks out. Unfortunately, they did do the spot again, but they did the exposed turnbuckle right as I forgot about it, which is the, that's what you want, Schrodinger's turnbuckle. The hitman makes his way to his feet using the ropes, so Sid charges with a clothesline, only for Hart to move and clothesline them both over to the floor. Now, Brett grabs the Heartbreak Kid's chair, but Sid stops him from using it and tosses the hitman back into the ring before turning to have words of Sean ending with Psycho Sid shoving Michaels and returning to the ring. Now Sid boomerangs a whip to the ropes while the Heartbreak Kid has climbed up onto the apron, sending Hart right into Sean, knocking him off to the floor. Psycho Sid then delivers a powerbomb to Brett for the pin and And the the win. win. Post-match, Sid celebrates with the belt while Michaels struggles to stand. And the hitman rolls out and he turns to leave. But he decides to punch Sean right in the face. 
pulling his shirt over his head and going to full hockey fight mode. I swear that was a real punch, too. (laughs) And Psycho Sid's just laughing in the ring and holds up the belt so Sean can see it. And Michaels yells at some fans before grabbing a headset to speak. But the mic's not working until the final words comes out where he calls someone a punk, I'm assuming Brett, and promises to kick their teeth in while Sid continues to celebrate with the fans. Vincent says his goodbyes as we fade to black. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of In Your House 12? It's time! I mean, it was another one of those that was fast. It... It's okay? Yeah. I don't know what I think of this one, because, like, as, as entertaining as the Leif Cassidy Flash Funk match was, it still felt like it was kind of sort of flat at the same time. To me, anyways. I mean, yeah, they're... The funky tag match of the fake Razor, fake Diesel... Better than ball. expected, but... So, literally, I, I wrote... There are some interesting choices in for, for matches on this one. Like like you said, having Flash and Leaf Cassidy open like okay, fake razor, fake diesel getting a tag title match, like what like what's going on? But the main event gives us everything we want in a match. Mm-hmm. Psychology, it's hard hitting angles. There's storyline advancements. WF may be lagging in the ratings right now. But they have successfully built up a roster where it feels like anybody might walk into the ring and win a title. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, I did not expect Sid to retain because I don't really know this time period in 96 very well. And Brett just came back. But Sid retaining was the right thing to do as it makes a more important angle Further's a more important angle with more important guys, and Sid is still over at this point, yeah. but he's like, he's over, but we know that he's not going to be, like, the guy long term. I feel like even then, people could probably tell that, but I don't know. I mean, everyone knows he's pretty much a transitional champion, because, yeah. I mean, you have, you have the Sean and Brett thing, but they're, and they're both former world champions. Austin's on the come up. Mankind's on the come up. You got Undertaker sitting over here, cooking, cooking. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, he just beat mankind. So that that's your that's the top of your card. Yeah, and then in your mid card IC title stuff. I mean, Triple H, Goldust, Goldust, Triple kind of. H, Mero, Farouk, Ahmed Johnson. These guys like nobody stinks. Yeah, I mean you can you can include include Flash Funk even in that group. I mean, yeah, they're obviously. You know, gave him a good spot on the last show to show stuff off, and then here he does an impressive match, and people people like him. They're building him. It's just that, like it's not a real angle for that match, but you you know you got to make the guy look impressive to get people yeah. behind him. There's no reason for him and Cassie to have an angle. It seems kind of pointless. It's just like push Flash, make sure that. Uh, Everybody has a good reason to think that Leaf's he's cool. a guy that he can beat that's not going to hurt his his status by losing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the reason why... And it's, that's, it's that's very the, good wrestler. That's, that's yeah. the reason why Wildman won with the 
the 10 count disqualification. It was, they didn't want to beat Mero and make him look bad. Yeah. But they didn't want to switch the title. And I think that was a totally fine thing to do. It's annoying when they do it, that it all the time. It came off a little clunky. It did. But, but overall, I think the match is good. Yeah. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we <laughs> smark it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show? <laughs> this is where it's going to get tricky. Yeah, Brett getting fired up is nice. I really, really appreciated the fire of Stone Cold with his run-in. I mean, Austin, every time he came out, just like, he, he was an agent of chaos. Yeah. Almost. And That's what made him so great back then, too. Yeah. He's truly, like, anti-establishment. He is... A, he is the he is the wild he's the wild man he's the wild card mm-hmm. he's our loose cannon and as much as I like Brian Pillman Stone Cold Steve Austin is a loose cannon in a different way where it's not like he's crazy or demented or like trying to he's fuck not with people a character. yeah he's he's just, he's just yeah he's pissed off yeah he's pissed and his anger is extremely well like telegraphed. It was fun to see a new side of Gold Dust in a way. I wasn't, I guess I don't really remember too much of a feud between him and, and Triple H, so that was just, it was different. It caught my attention and it kind of planted seeds of what's going to happen next with them. Sean's mic work on commentary it was great. Was great. I mean, like I said, Walgo, they're trying to push him to the heel side. It never. They don't get there because obviously now it's Sean versus Sid in San Antonio. Yeah, you shouldn't you, you, have that there. You're never getting San Antonio, his hometown, to boo him. Yeah, that was a silly choice. It's like, that's not the show to do that on. But, so, you know, it might be one of those things where that was there's, that maybe that probably wasn't the original plan for that building they had probably booked out a year ago or whatever. I mean, originally it was supposed to be Sean versus Vader and... Sean would win the belt from Vader. Like, you're not going to turn Vader face at any point. But Sid just got over so quickly as a face that that's why they decided to switch the belt. And then they had to kind of, like, flip-flop Sean. He was a tweener, basically, and then he was going to go full heel. And then they were like, he's never getting booed in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they're doing, considering that they had to make changes, they're doing a a good job of what they got. But also, unfortunately, because of that, we now are going to get heel Sid again at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. And he's been so much fun as this face character. He's been great as this face character, and it's a bummer that it doesn't get to last longer than it will, but, like, it's it's not the right thing to do considering the situation. Yeah. Even though, it, you know, if things were different, it would be cool to see it last a little longer. How about most disappointing moments? The fact that we had to watch the Executioner and Undertaker have a match. I mean, I love <laughs> Terry Gordy. Yeah. But that match was just like... It, like early in my notes, I'm like, this is like watching paint dry. And it picks up a little bit, but not in any real way. I do think him rolling down the concrete is fun. I mean, I guess going back to best... I liked them going to the set and kind of destroying the set. That was that was a fun little. If it wasn't moment. for that, I don't know what we would have. But done that was there. really the only thing in that entire match that was worth anything, really. I mean, it was fun that mankind came out from underneath the thing, but it sucks that he tripped. But like, it was just a fun, like you know, shocking thing. It's like, oh, I didn't expect him to fly out from under there. Because I mean, 
just completely missing them brawling outside just to cut to him rolling down the thing. Like, what is what is this? It doesn't yeah. serve any Cause, real cause, purpose. Because literally that right there told me that the executioner was not the point of this match. No. It was completely mankind. Because it's a no DQ match. That means it's also probably... Should is that mean it's also pins anywhere? Because um, if not, then it, then it didn't make any sense to even leave the building. Yeah, with the exception of that. Other than to was, just get yeah. that one shot, which wasn't a good shot at all. And man, I mean mankind coming out because if mankind, I mean no DQ means that anything can happen. But if you can't have pins counting anywhere, then there's no point in going outside the building. Yeah. Yeah. So the layout of the match But they've itself, done that so much with like him and Mankind. The layout of the match itself is a little disappointing in that way. It's mm. by no means uh, top tier taker stuff. No. But... I'm trying to think what else. I was surprised there was no Sunny. I mean... Uh, they've kind of, they've kind of just phased her out yeah. at this point. Yeah, I know, it seems like it happened so quick. So I was thinking so that she had some more stuff coming up, but... I mean, she might. I mean, she's she just might, on a little yeah. hiatus right now with old Candido jumping to the different, different one. Yeah, maybe she's you know being a shithead. We know she's a shithead, and they're like, "All right, well, you need to chill." Who she's knows? Finding, finding her new stable, one naked dude at a time. <laughs> How about best performer of the night? Oh, that's a tough one. Like in ring. Like Brett's anger, I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. it's like hard I mean, not to give it to Brett um, as far as in ring. He's fucking Bret Hart, and he's got a chip. On I mean, his, his shoulder. little promo was really good. Yeah, especially when the music hit and mm-hmm. he got angry. I mean, because those aren't all scripted words. There, that's there's a little bit of shoot in that. Yeah, and you can feel it, which is good. Personal issues draw money. And how about most surprising? I was kind of surprised Stone Cold just kept coming out. Like, interjecting yeah. himself in, what, like, was, I was about to two, say, two different matches? Yeah, I was about basically. to say the same thing. That's a lot of run-ins for such a short but, I mean, that's the, Is he injured right now? Is that why he's not in no, a No, I think they match? just... They're just setting it up? Because he did a dark match. Okay. They're just setting up a few... I, I just think it's... Because inter- it's one of those things where, like, him just getting involved in multiple things, It it's kind of the ECW style of booking where... You have all these storylines kind of running together, but it helps pull everyone up. Yeah, and you can also, you have multiple directions to go if you need to. Yeah. As long as it doesn't get too convoluted. Making their way to the ring! It's trivia time! Oh, Lord. This week, category is Survivor. We're going to go back and forth. You know how great I am at Survivor. Naming title belts oh, that we saw defended in 93 and 94. Mm, I like this one. I will tell you that there are 22 different belts. 22. And Michael went first last week, so we'll let Shane start this week. Okie dokie. We'll do the WWF Heavyweight Championship belt. That's one of them. WWF Intercontinental. Yes. WWF Tag Team. Yes. 
WCW World Championship belt. Correct. WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Yes. WCW Television Title. Yes. And WCW Tag. Absolutely. IWGP Heavyweight Title. Absolutely. The BCW TV Championship. That is correct. That's funny. That was the one I was going to say. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I'll go TV instead of ECW Heavyweight Championship title. Yep. And ECW tag. Absolutely. Here's where it starts to get tricky. That's when it gets fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. The uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. That is one. F words. What the hell is this one called? I can't remember what they called it. The WCW International Heavyweight Championship. What the fuck was that called? I'm going to give it to you. That was... <laughs> what was the actual name of it? The WCW International World Heavyweight International Championship. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'm not mad at that. You were, you were there. And uh, NWA Heavyweight Title. Yeah, that's okay. right. What was that one called? Is it the AAA World Heavyweight Championship? We did not see that did one. Not see that one this year. All right. So was it the Give CMLO? Give him true Survivor form. Shane fucks it up again. Michael gets ten points. Okay. The ones you missed: the ECW Pennsylvania State Championship. Oh God. Not that one wasn't happening. The IWGP Tag Team Championship. All right, I was, I, I, was, I wasn't sure one. if we watched that or not, but it was definitely one in my pocket if I got the blocked. NWA Tag Team Championship. Okay. The Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Championship. True. The WWA Heavyweight Championship. I don't the know WWA Junior Heavyweight Championship w- and the WWA Tag Team Championship. What's WWA? It was on one of the first ECW shows when they were merging the two belts. Oh, yeah. Ah, okay. And last but not least, the WWF Women's Championship. Uh, I couldn't remember if Nakano that one and Blaze. Nakano and Blaze. In my brain, it was like, that one was 95, wasn't it? So we didn't, that wasn't the year that we watched the uh, like Southern California Lucha show. Because I, I wasn't sure. I was like, was that AAA or CMLL? That's why I wasn't that's, right, that's what I was picturing. Yeah, it was, I knew where you were going. I know there was AAA. a belt on there, yeah. but what the hell was it? Yeah, uh, it was it AAA or was it CMLL? I wouldn't. Those are the two. There were no belts defended on that AAA when oh, it was July wow. belt. Because I know that. I guess the last match was a big grudge match. Because it was the tag match, which you would think was for the titles, is actually a hair versus mask. That's yeah, right. match and, and the grudge, match, the grudge match is just in a steel cage. Yeah, yeah. So either even if we, uh, so I didn't mess up. No, you didn't. You didn't. But yeah, and I, I imagined the last one. I, I knew it was a grudge match, but I figured it was for the title. Next week, Starcade nineteen ninety six. Y'all ready for WCW's biggest show of the year after World War Three and some previous Starcades? I am. Skeptical, but I always am hopeful for a Starcade. So, you know, come hang out with us. It's a Starcade. There's got to be at least one good match on it. We say that now. <laughs> Music from this week's show is the opening from It's Time. And Sid won our main event, so we play his theme music, Snapped by Jim Johnston. 
If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Mm-hmm. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, drink ideas, we're going to Nashville, so who knows what the hell they've got there. I know they've got hot chicken and that's large, all I can think other of. things. Hot, yeah, hot chicken and large women. Booze, country singing. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Whiskey. Yeah. Tennessee whiskey, even. Mm-hmm. If you have any of those things, you can email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on X at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Laters. <laughs>